Hail, hail, the Celtics are here and we're back for another flagship podcast this week. I'm joined uh, as ever at the moment by, uh, with Josh. Josh, good to see you, mate. Thanks for coming yeah. back on with Great to be back in the pod. There's been a lot of stuff uh, since we've been last on, so been, uh, good discussions today, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure, man. And we've got a, a new hand on the pirate ship, on the flagship with us this week. We've got Sean, uh, Twitter handle on screen. Sean, good to see you, mate. Thanks for coming on with us. Thanks very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, especially with the ongoings it's been for the past past week. There's a lot to talk about. So thank you very much for having me at this particular time. I'm looking forward to it. We're just getting through like the kind of the lay of the land of what's been going on over the last week, and there's been a lot of different bits to go on. But when you came on, the first thing that struck me is I've got a, I've got one hat, I've got one basketball hat, and I left it in the house, and I thought. I should, I should have brought mine in. Should have brought mine into the studio today, and uh, they've got a wee bit of the basketball hats on the go. But yeah, yeah, man, it, there's been plenty going on this week, and I think we were all tipped into this week with the whole Jota to Saudi Arabia thing, and then that kind of consumed all of us, I think, for like a day or two, from the creepy video to the announcement, how much you know is the club getting, how much will the club spend off the back of it, and that really did. Uh, kick off the start of the week but one, one thing that I personally felt I was kind of overlooking with all of this and yeah I definitely I'm speaking for myself here I'd love to hear what you guys think but I didn't really take much of a time to really think you know like Joe was a good guy you know like he did good for us and kind of have that wee you know like uh, nostalgic kind of look back on him and think you know like like every player we've sold it's been decent you think oh he was great for us and he scored this goal and he did that Jota scored some screamers man like he scored some absolute belters he really gave us some proper magic I know the celebrations are really iconic but some of the goals are like stellar you know so I don't think myself I gave him probably enough of a tip of the cap and a nod to the actual contribution he gave us while he was here because although inconsistent at times he was top shelf yeah, I, I just I'll, I'll come in with that one. I think when you're talking about the iconic moments, particularly with the the celebrations and stuff, but you need to remember the, the iconic goals as well, particularly against Rangers, the the first touch and the chipping, like, and that's what led to the celebration, the goal at the, the cup final at, at Hamden as well. It's always these sorts of moments, although it was a short time, like we, we do need to, as you say, tip, tip the hat to him. He, came in it was only two years but he gave us some magical moments within those two years and I think we've been fairly compensated fairly compensated for for those those moments you know and as you say it's it, it was a strange move the video I mean I watched that at half ten that night and I couldn't settle for the rest of it I don't know how I got a peaceful sleep that night but yeah it, it's those it, it just it added a strange twist to the, the transfer as well but on reflection, I think it was a good piece of business for the club. Yeah, I would probably echo a lot of those thoughts. I think Jota, for Celtic, he was an excellent player. Obviously, he was only with us for two years, omitted period of time. But the impact he had was immense. He scored in Derby, scored in semi-final, scored big, massive goals for us. I think he was a fan favourite as well. There's not a player I can think of who the supporters really taken to. So many iconic moments, even... When he jumped into the crowd at home to Dundee United um, last season, I remember that. That was amazing. He got the knack for doing it in the Champions League as well. Scored a couple of goals there away at Leipzig, notably, um, last season. <coughs> Excuse me, in the defeat. Uh, so it would be interesting to see if he could mirror that form going into Europe next season. Obviously, that's not going to be the case. But you can't begrudge Jota for going over to Saudi Arabia. Like £192,000 a week. I don't think anyone's going to 
turn down that amount of money, you'd be silly if you'd done so. So hats off to Jota for getting his move. Um, obviously, like we said, the announcement video was a bit weird. Um, I seen Hibs kind of came out and made a parody of it the other day, which was quite funny. Um, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was. But, nah, it's, it's disappointing to see him go, obviously, and hopefully we can find a valid replacement for him. But, nah, Jota was an immense player. I've got a, a, I got a painting for him, of him uh, for my Christmas just there, but um, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. No, I might keep it. I might not. I'll see what happens. But, nah, I'm disappointing to see him go, but at the end of the day, fair enough to him. Big move, big money. Sets his family up for life. Yeah, for sure, man. And, um, you know, it's one of these ones as well because I don't think we really expected Jota to leave this summer. So it's one of those ones where it kind of came out of left field. The fee... And again, normally some of these transfers we've been disappointed with them. It's like, oh, we sold them for that much? Like, come on, guys. Like, you should have held out for some more money or, or something. But, you know, it's just from top to bottom, from start to finish, it's been a wee bit unusual, you know? It's been like, yeah, we've got a big bag of money and, like, sure, that was quite easy. It wasn't a big saga... You know, we've still got plenty of time to go ahead. The rest of the team is pretty strong, all the same. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wonder now, because normally we know this, the habit from Celtic has been sell one guy for in excess of 10 million and then call it a day, spend some profit and then go again. So, you know, is that, good, is that going to be this? Is this going to be the only departure we see? Any The only significant departure we're going to see this window? Are we on kind of higher alert? Are we kind of worried a wee bit more about maybe somebody like an Atati? Definitely not Kyogo, we'll come to that later, but um, Hitate, I'm not even sure, maybe O'Reilly maybe comes into that before the comments we had from him yesterday, which were good fun. But yeah, does this signal we're maybe going to lose one or two, or does this signal we're probably going to keep a few, I wonder? Personally, for me, I think hopefully it means we're only letting go of one in Jota, but we do have a couple of members of our team who are like outstanding, the likes of Rio Hitate and the numbers Leela had to put up last season despite his minutes. Um, he's going to be on the radar of some big clubs and if Celtic do get the money they've been offered for Jota in a similar bracket to that I could see one or two leaving I don't think Brendan Rodgers would want three um, big first team players like Jota and Abada and Hitati to depart in his first summer in charge I think he'd want to limit it to potentially one or two um, I think Jota, the trio of Jota Kyogo and Carter Vickers are the three players you wouldn't want to leave and I think having already lost one of them It'll be it's tough to take and it'll be a big loss, but hopefully we don't see any more departures. I could see maybe one more though. Yeah, and just touching on that as well, when you mentioned Hitati and Abada, I feel like these names have been brought up for the, the past few months. You know, Jota's move was very, very quick to me anyway. Like it just came out of nowhere and it was done within a week or two. Whereas Hitati and Abada. As I say, it's been a few months. These these have been rumbling of potential moves. Hitati's been speaking about what he would like to do in the future, and so I think it's kind of it set us up for a bit of expectation or potential of what could be happening. And um, but as Josh said, Josh said, I would like to think that that's not going to be the case, considering the amount of money that we have been able to bring in for one. That that could bring in two or three solid players to strengthen the squad the only problem I have is if the, the names that have come in or the names that are banded about it seems very much top heavy at the moment, it all seems to be forward thinkers and I feel that like the focus needs to be closer to the back, especially going into the Champions League I would agree and see when like, Hyung Jun came out quite quickly in, the, the, in this transfer window 
And as soon as I seen that myself, and especially when we continued it, even when Rogers was appointed, you think, why are we signing another wide forward when we've got like 12 of them? Like, you know, who are we expecting to go? Obviously, we've seen Jota now leave. Abada, I mentioned on this kind of beginning of the segment, but well caught from, from you guys, of course. So maybe Abada does follow out, and then we've still got some decent numbers, and then that young Jun comes in and maybe gets, you know, two out, one in kind of situation, makes it a bit wee bit leaner but you know you're, you're spot on there because it is all quite top heavy we do accept the Carter Vickers is a rock nailed on in, in the defence everyone is immensely um, confident in the abilities of Alistair Johnson probably to test him in the Champions League and domestically this year it does seem you know there's some rumours and some murmurs around left back you know is there Tierney coming in is there somebody else or whatever it's hard to know what's going on there but our centre-back position is hard to imagine that Rodgers doesn't look at another defender to come in. Because even if you do fancy Starfelt and Vickers, you need another man in there to be pushing them and keeping them on their toes. And then you've got the cover, of course, in case that something you know goes against you like we had last season. It felt like every centre-back was out for three months at one stage, you know, um, collectively over the season, um, if that makes sense. The real Hitate comments that Sean's talking about um, as well really caught attention. I think this was on Tuesday or Wednesday this week, but he said to DeZone, Maybe the Premier League, this is in response to what Levely could see his career going to or something like that. Maybe the Premier League, it's once in a lifetime stage. If I can play there, I'd like to take the challenge in the future. Right now, the top priority is to do what I need to do for Celtic. That's my team at the moment before playing in a Champions League. It was a stage I longed for and I want to compete there again. I think it was a really good experience. Now, I remember being at Celtic Park for the opening game against Real Madrid. And I, I said in the aftermath of it, and I've, I've brought up a few times but Hitate on the same pitch as Modric that night he was just getting schooled by the master on that night and we've seen a lot of his ascent like it's in that it's in that kind of role that kind of mold in the squad of what he does in midfield and, and progressing the ball etc and I didn't fear before the Saudi thing happened I didn't fear Jota or Rio really going for 20 plus million because I didn't think and in Europe or in Champions League, they've really done enough where a team is going to knock down Celtic's door and say, aye, we will pay 25 for him because they'll need a wee bit more proof in the pudding from, from these guys, in my opinion, because the Champions League campaign last year definitely wasn't, you know, if you were outside of Celtic looking at it, you wouldn't look at the players and be convinced by it, is my point, you know. So it's great to hear that is, is maybe, probably, how Patate is thinking about it and this Champions League group stage is firmly on like the priority list of a lot of the squad it would feel like you know so that's what i take from comments like that i know some people kind of read the premier league part of it and think oh well he's maybe wishing himself away or something like that um but i think of it more as no he's firmly committed on the improvement he makes as a player at celtic in the champions league i was just going to say he's still a young guy as well he's still got plenty of time in that sense as well to get that move and just like what you're touching on if he was to get a good champions league campaign under his belt then he's going to be very much sought after. He can tick off the Champions League, which was obviously the case when he came over from Japan. That was his main goal and objective at that moment. And it sounds like absolutely he's got ambitions to get to the Premier League as well. But a good Champions League campaign certainly won't do him any, any harm. Yeah, I think obviously the Premier League part of the comments, I think that's going to be the case with every single player when they're asked where they want to end up these days. The Premier League... It might turn into Saudi Arabia at one point, we don't know, but at the moment, it's going to be every player wants to play in the Premier League. But at this stage, at this moment in time, Hatate is focusing clearly on the Champions League and the upcoming season at Celtic, and that's going to be what's on his mind. And like you said, Quinny, potentially it's a thing 
within the squad where they want to improve upon that Champions League of last campaign. Obviously, missed chances were the absolute key of that campaign. We were missing chances left, right and centre, which if we could have taken, we could have gone further in Europe. But the squad will be looking to improve on that this season. I think that's at the forefront of Rio Hattati's mind at the the minute. Uh, I think the Premier League comments are just what his overall ambitions are in his career. I think every player is going to have those. Yeah. It would definitely be way more suspect if he said, maybe Saudi Arabia. (laughs) (laughs) We would all be losing our mind if he said that, you know. know. (laughs) I know, we'd be worrying about the next video at that moment. (laughs) His card wasn't on the table, which was nice. They had Albi and a jetty butt, which somebody noticed, which is fantastic. And... um, (laughs) But yeah, thankfully his card wasn't on the deck on, on yeah. that one. But yeah, that, that's the way I, I would hope the squad, because that's the thing, but that's what we are trying to embrace, I think, more as a club, is we are a Champions League club. You come here to get that experience. You're not going to come here and get the same experience you get in these other countries that offer these different things for different um, you know career development, depending on who you're talking to player-wise and situation. Because Champions League, for somebody like Hitate, and even Jota, who we've just sold, and all the guys we've still got in the squad, uh, Matt O'Reilly, who, whose comments we could probably mention in, um, as well in this tone. But f- for them, that Champions League move, like you said, Sean, like if you get a good Champions League campaign, think about, um, you guys will remember, maybe it wasn't the last Champions League, but the one before, Salzburg got out of their group. They had a group of death, and their main guy was Karim Adeyemi, wee German youth guy they'd picked up, you know, similar maybe to Jota in some respects in terms of what he does and who he was kind of idea. And then, I don't know how many goals he scored. It was maybe like three or four, but which is fine. That's a good amount of goals to score in the Champions League group stages. And he goes from Salzburg to Dortmund off the back of that. Now, Salzburg have also sold lots of good players to lots of good teams in the past. So there's a wee bit of that path has been trodden. But the point remains, if Atati gets three goals in the group stages, you know, like what sort of teams around Europe then look at a midfielder that does what he does and then at Champions League level can... Can, can continue that you know it opens up it's not just then Brighton's and Brentford's that are looking at them and whatever and uh, Aleti has it's then like Juventus's and you know whoever else is you know um, just saying Juve because I don't know why they're not a great team right now but you, 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 you get where I'm getting with that you know yeah, yeah. it just proves it, it puts you on a different pedestal to, to I think it's definitely a model that should be that, that should be the ambitions of the club I mean Celtic has already got the name within European and world football but it is trying to compete in the Champions League and there you're mentioning like Salzburg and Ajax as well. Ajax don't compete in the best of leagues. Like we, you can usually narrow it down to the teams that are most likely going to win, but they've got the model of bringing in young, develop, sell on, and that's been their motto for decades. And if we are following suit into that, the likes of going back to Kieran Tierney, who was at 20 odd million as well, Jota coming in, by low, sell high. If if you're able to do that and compete in the Champions League as well, you're setting yourself up for a, a great future, I think. Yeah, I, I think that should, I would agree with you, Sean, that's completely what the club should be aiming for, just to become that type of team where it offers a player the chance to come in. You're going to win trophies domestically, but you're also going to get that opportunity to play in the biggest stage in club European football, where if you know that if you do well, you're going to get the opportunities to move on to these big clubs. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Obviously, Salzburg are not quite like us. They don't really have the reputation in Europe that we do. But if we manage to even get a shade, not a shade, maybe about just get similar to their level of developing talent, then our 
name as Celtic Football Club can make up for the rest because everyone knows who Celtic are in European football. So definitely that should be a model the club are trying to trying to get towards and aiming for. Yeah. And I think you know the reappointment of Brendan Rodgers further compounds that kind of move that we're trying to make. When you listen to his comments, obviously when he was appointed, uh, he, you know he was talking about quality. He was talking about previously the transfer business being confused, and you know that, you know it, it was very clear and things are going to be very different and much more organised this time around. And you know right off the bat, you know we've got that. Talk. The thing I loved about Rodgers first time, and the thing that I'm very much looking forward to seeing second time around is he does bring, and you've probably seen the pictures of him with the training gear at the pitch, but he does bring like a football department with him, like a football, a Premier League football department come with him, you know, and that level of, uh, you know, reputation that he has and then just that actual, you know, coaching nous and all the rest of it is is going to be a big part of maybe what makes this next Champions League campaigns and the kind of the generation that we're now kind of turning into uh, this this Celtic generation that's kind of going on at the moment will we'll be kind of led by. And we've had the comments I mentioned them a moment ago. Everyone's probably seen them from Matt O'Reilly at the training pitch talking about how uh, Ange was like not coming and sitting with them at lunch, basically <laughs> not talking to them. But Rogers is down down to clown and he's uh, hanging out with them at lunchtime, asking them what they're playing on Xbox and whatever, and <laughs> getting, getting to know them a bit more. Let's say you know, so a bit different uh, at Lennox Town already. Yeah, I think it's it's very interesting. I would compare it potentially to obviously I'm just out of school, but I'd compare it to the way teachers teach in school. So obviously you've got Ange Postecoglou, who's the more strict teacher who won't kind of talk to you about what life is like outside the school. He's just interested in your grades and things like that. Whereas Brendan Rogers is more the down with the kids, as we could say, type of school teacher where he's like, oh, what are you up to at the weekend? Stuff like that. And I think me as a person, I prefer teachers like that. And players probably prefer managers like that who can kind of know what they're doing, know about them and stuff like that. So it's probably, it can... Then you have the kind of devil's advocate of that where some players will prefer different manage, managerial styles and different managers obviously have their own managerial styles. I think Andrews comes from the fact he had to tell his best friend to retire because he wasn't good enough when he initially went into management and he said, I'm never building up relationships with players because of that. Obviously, Brendan Rodgers is of a different opinion and what works for some doesn't work for others. Andrews' management style has been successful. It's gotten where he has. So has Brendan Rodgers. So... But maybe Matt O'Reilly just prefers Rogers' style of management and other players in the squad might not. So I think it's just a matter of opinion at the end of the day. But it is interesting to hear that maybe Ange wasn't something so simple as sitting with him at lunch, just locked away in his office. So I feel like that's quite interesting comments though. But at the end of the day, it's a matter of opinion. I think one of the key words there was uh, reluctance was the word that he used, um, which definitely gives off the, the standoff like were players comfortable and even feeling that they could approach the man with anything but even when you look back at that and you would think as if my god that team are playing for that for him they were playing for Ange but from the outside that's the way it looked like they were pressing it was the whole we never stop you felt like there was a whole I'm the leader and this is our team and we're all in this together and then when you're hearing comments like that you're, you're wondering what was the actual dynamic behind the doors that we didn't get to see and with Brendan Rodgers coming in, who is very much the the nurturing and the quiet spoken and come on, son, I'll put the armour on you. We can do this together and all that. So you wonder the likes of, because Matt O'Reilly, you think as if that was an Ange signing. But so he was used to the Ange post the way. 
are we going to see even more from him now that there's a personal development that's come in with Brendan Rodgers almost immediately? Because that's only been a couple of weeks. So there's a real shift in momentum by the sounds of it even coming from the players. Yeah, it definitely feels like that. And Matt O'Reilly was probably one of the players some people thought might leave this window. And similarly, like Tate's comments, I was hoping that would be in O'Reilly's mind. So I don't think O'Reilly did enough last season to warrant a £15 million transfer or whatever, really, you know. Um, so to hear he is already bought into the new manager and thinking like, yeah, I could, you know, this is better. This is different. I could probably get more out of this coming season than maybe I previously imagined. And, you know, part of the Rogers factor coming in is some of these guys up and coming want to be under the wing of a guy that's at a Premier League level. You know, that's the way he conducts himself. Ange Postacoglu obviously finds himself there now. But uh, like you mentioned, Josh, his career has been built up of his own personal experiences from, you know, like, part-time football all the way up you know like because Australian football isn't like a fully professional especially when he's playing and managing you know 15 20 years ago and all the rest of it uh, all the way up to Japan and obviously all the way through here so when you go through those different levels there's lots of different dynamics like I got a UEFA B license myself and did some coaching and like I had a hand at trying like, you know both uh, methods of approach and probably the last team I was at probably tried a wee bit more of that Rogers than I should have maybe got to know guys got a wee bit close made some bad decisions off the back of it you know so it's one of those ones where everyone like you say Josh everyone is going to be a bit different and everyone is going to take it of their own style and you know especially from the Japanese lads we did hear like you say it did feel from the outside like it did feel like a family like here Maeda calling him his dad and you hear about how Kyogo's so attached to him and, you know, even the other, you know, like everyone, it did feel like it was a one for all for one, one for all effort, which if he's managed to harness that with keeping like not just arms distance, it feels like, but like um, social distancing restrictions, <laughs> extra length, you know, um, and he still managed to build that up, then he must be very powerful on the training pitch. You know what I mean? Because he's getting all of that from the training pitch. He's not getting it from the wee chats in the canteen. And the wee chats after training, and or maybe the wee chats after training something happened, but he's understand what I'm saying. He's missing a huge social dynamic there, but he still managed to actually get that in the team, perhaps. Maybe we're speculating now, maybe that wasn't quite the case. Maybe they're all fantastic actors as well now. But um, it definitely does uh, raise some questions, but it does fill me with more confidence as well that Abadas, O'Reilly's, some of these guys, Hatate's, are going to be like, yeah, man, like I'm staying here next season. I'm comfortable. I'm in the team. I know where I'm going, I'm progressing, I'm getting better, and this guy can help me get even better than I was maybe thinking about before. So I, I kind of mentioned Hyung Jun earlier on, and you know, I, I think Rio and O'Reilly feel bought into me off the back of the comments that we've heard from them this week in different ways. Maybe Rio is looking to the January transfer window and O'Reilly's maybe just looking to next summer, perhaps, like in terms of with the manager leaving and they have to, everyone's re reassessing their situations. Jot off the lease for mega money. They'll all be thinking, what if Saudi Arabia phoned me? You know, surely they've all thought that at this stage. It's only natural, you would think. Yeah. Um, so to hear those comments from those two, we obviously know McGregor is, is here in, until he retires, you know. So that's a solid core of a midfield that I think we could run under Brendan Rodgers quite successfully. I know we've always kind of, over the last two years, said like, oh, we need a destroyer, we need a ball winner in midfield. And I would still say that's the case, but... You know, starting this season off with Rio O'Reilly and McGregor seemingly all bought in and ready to go. That's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, I think for quite... Obviously, like throughout the past, I'd say decade, Celtic have always seemed to have a strong midfield. Uh, last season, we obviously had Aaron Moy, who was able to come in, dip his toe in the water and do well for a couple of months it was. And then he's obviously hung up his boots. He had likes of Tom Rogic um, in prior years. So we always seem to have a core group of players in midfield and... 
think O'Reilly last season he didn't really have that starting spot nailed down at any point. Maybe he did for a couple of weeks running due to form, etc. But now that I think that path is clear for him in one of those advanced state roles to go in and really cement his place there. He's 22 years old now. He signed when he was only 20. So I think he can really kick on, like you were saying, Sean, under that new style of management that could shoot him down to the ground. Uh, obviously, Hatate, we know what he can do, we know what McGregor can do. So we do have a really strong core in midfield. Um, I would just be potentially slightly worried about the backup, but then again, we did just sign Odin Thiago home. You've got the likes of David Turnbull there. Obviously, he does only have one year left in his deal. Uh, I think we might go on to discuss that soon. But yeah, it's a very a very strong core in midfield, but I think we could do with maybe another one or two bodies in there. And I think it's the type of player as well that there you're mentioning. If you've got that strong unit with the defensive, we, we don't really have that. We were used to seeing Scott Brown being the one like with with the game in front of him, you know, he was the he was the the man, the voice, the everything. It was in that midfield, the director as such. And I, I don't feel, although Callum McGregor has dropped back, I, I feel like he's still kind of itching to to burst forward at times as well. Um, but a, a holding midfielder, especially Champions League, is key this season to me. I think that it's just. We really need to push on, even if it did mean progressing into the Europa League. Great, I would take a Europa League run if you were to hand me it just now. But like that's where our aims and objectives should be, and it's trying to get the personnel to fit that as well, you know. But we'll see what happens in that sense. And just when you're touching about Turnbull, I feel that it's been a total waste of the whole transfer since Motherwell. I feel like he's not been given the opportunity that he should have because to me, every time he comes on, he gives you that something. There's there's always the... You're just waiting on that turn of magic to come from him. He's got a shot in him. We know Brendan Rodgers likes to play with a kind of shoot on sight. We've seen that with Roderick Armstrong beat on at times as well. We can't forget his rocket into the top bin. Um, so we, we know that style of play is suits Rogers. So I'm wondering if Turnbull will maybe get an opportunity in that. I can see Turnbull getting a shout under Rogers, no problem at all. With him having one year left on his contract as well, he, he's in a very tricky position because he's probably had a decent enough, let's say, showreel over the last two seasons, and he could probably, with his agent talking to any prospective clubs, argue. I've been doing pretty damn well here and not been getting a sniff, you know, because he has done, you know, we're talking about Abada, goals and assists per minute. You know, Turnbull's not that far behind him in, in some regard, you know. He's, he's had good patches himself. And like you say, he's very direct, which is very Rogers as well, you know. So I could see, I could easily see Turnbull coming in and pushing O'Reilly um, in that same kind of spot, you know, with Moyle even, it feels like maybe. But again, like, <clears throat> one of the things Rogers did say is it's all about quality additions you know we've seen Thiago home come in already and it does feel like he is you know maybe probably should be better than some of the other guys we've had in that squad position to push the midfield already guys like the Gucci and Abelgaard and maybe one or two others uh, Soros and whatever's uh, which is fine but when you do look at the quality we have in midfield if we are going to get someone better than that we've been linked to Fabian Reader relentlessly but it's kind of cooled off over the last day or two but it would, if we are going to get a midfielder of any description, a ball winner, Scott Brown replacement, or someone with a bit more magic, or anything in between, they need to be top caliber coming in now, don't they? 
Yeah, it needs to be a starting eleven. Sorry, Josh, I keep interrupting. Oh, no. uh, yeah, I, I feel like it absolutely needs to be a starting eleven signing. If anybody's to come in, you know, like we, as it, like I keep going back to Champions League, but like, I, I feel like we can't be going as if oh, just in case, in case somebody loses form or an injury, we've got somebody to kind of step in. And I feel like that's not just the case for midfield, but even at defence as well. We, we kind of seen that when Johnson get injured at right back. Ralston came in and did he really, he had, he had a few a couple of decent games, but did he, was he the calibre that we need when somebody of such importance, because Johnson certainly established that for the very first game, like he was irreplaceable because we didn't have anybody to replace him, essentially, you know, and I feel like that's the sort of thing we need to be cautious here or are we just signing for the sake of it as you as you touched like you, we, we need we need players that reach the starting 11 almost immediately if you're going to be making those important signings yeah i would agree with that definitely i think if you're looking for a holding midfielder type say a defensive kind of ball winner like we've said you want you don't want someone who's just going to be sitting in the bench in the domestic games and then just comes in for the european games because that's just no use you want someone who's able to contribute all the time in every single game and i think the club should be looking to add potentially only not only starting quality players because you've obviously got the likes of home you've got your likes of Tellios, but you do want obviously you've got your 11 core of starters you also want a couple of maybe three or four others five others who can who are also as good as the players who are starting week in week out so that should definitely be something Celtic are looking to do maybe bringing in a body in the midfield who's, along with those three that are there, is able to come in and replace um, one or two of them uh, each week. So, yeah, I would completely agree. We need quality additions as well as potentially the ones that we're looking at bringing in young and then selling on. Yeah. Because I think like the reader's definitely got the right kind of profile of what we normally go for anyway. And then what you would think and hope uh, Rogers would be after. And one of the things, I was speaking about this recently, I forget where, but like, Roger's first time around, like in, in two, I, I remember, and I don't know if I'm remembering this wrong or whatever. So, if you guys know or anyone listening to this, feel free to drop in the comments and, and uh, get me up to speed. But I'm quite sure the first time Rogers came in, he made some sort of glowing comment around James Forrest when he was Liverpool manager. And he said something to the tune of, like, you know, like he was talking about familiarity with the squad and knowing some players and whatever. And it might have even been into the tune of, like, he knew a bit about Forrest's game before he came to the squad or whatever. Anyway. Point becomes, I think that is a, a fantastic, it, you know, whether I've remembered that right or not, um, or whatever, but like if you're a, a Premier League manager, you've got all those facilities to analyze, you know, players' potential, scouting, should we be signing them and whatever. You obviously do strength and weakness analysis and all the rest of it. And there's no way um, that he doesn't come into this current squad with a little bit of that intel because when he was Leicester manager, if, even if it was just the papers aside, the scouts would have still been looking at players, you know, but he was linked to a fair few Celtic players as Leicester manager, you know. Um, so I'm going to be, uh, so I, I think guys like Rio, guys like O'Reilly are going to show a lot of the quality that I, I can already hear some comment sections of people going, oh, they weren't good enough last year and they weren't consistent enough and all the rest of it. And I don't think that can be undersold for how hard it is to get quality that is, goes on top of that or pushes them out the team, you know. And we do need to keep that kind of standard at the club pretty high because we definitely don't want to slip back into that position of just getting guys because we can and all the rest of it 
But there's also, and this is something I'm going to contradict myself with, and I want to get your opinion on, guys. But see, when we reference these other clubs we've mentioned already, Ajaxes and Salzburgs and Benficas and whoever's right, what you tend to see from a lot of those guys is, rightly or wrongly, your opinions on it or can be whatever, right? But they do, uh, they do hold a significant bunch of like youth players that they professionally loan out and get minutes across. The Dutch league, the Dutch second league, and a few other bits and pieces, depending on how good the guy is and all the rest of it. And over the last two seasons, you know, the sort of guys, if this was in one of these are situations, but see guys like Max Johnson, Josh Doig, uh, Lewis Ferguson, you know, what you want to say about Lewis Ferguson to one side, but emerging young talent in this league, like by these other clubs, generally what happens is they'll definitely take a few of them up. Maybe they don't play them and then they loan them out elsewhere. But anyway, what becomes that is positive transfer fees. Um, then start to roll into the club off the back of guys that are not even losing out the squad. So um, as much as there definitely has to be that increased focus on quality coming in, you, we should still also be looking, you know, I know the term, uh, the reason I've got to this, sorry, I know I kind of feel like I'm in a million places at the one time here, but I got to this, I was thinking about also the Turnbull thing not really working out. And I think it has been a wasted opportunity because if he wasn't going to get the minutes and all the rest of it, if we had maybe gave him a loan out somewhere and he was banging in some form, we could be selling that guy for six million to Sheffield Wednesday or something like that, or eight million this summer. And that's just more money that would go into the pot to maybe go and get some of that better quality. So I'm kind of saying we need to do everything and nothing all at the same time. But um, just as we're talking about this, this is all the stuff that's running through my mind. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's kind of about like, obviously your main source of probably income in terms of uh, the transfer market is selling our big players on your Jotas, your Moussa Dembele's, your Kieran Tierney's players like that, but also like you're saying, Quinny, you've got guys like potentially David Turnbull. Frimpong, who could, uh, Frimpong yeah. yeah Frimpong exactly. was a good clip around off, so I wasn't yeah. alone or whatever, you know, but and we've missed out on some, by the way, we should, see and again, Moritz Jens is a clanger and a yeah. half we've dropped, you yeah. know, see instead of cancelling that loan, we should have just bought him and loaned yeah, him out. Then, yeah, I, you know, I, like, that, you know, that's what any club with a bit of money in the bank, which we mm-hmm. apparently do. Obviously, we clearly do now because we've been selling stuff and we're in mm-hmm. Champions League groups and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But that's what a boss, cl- you know, that, that's what clubs yeah. of our standard structure should do. Activate that for one million quid or three million quid, whatever it was, yeah. loan them out there. And then I don't know what Wolfsburg paid for them, but it was like eight million quid or something. Yeah, you know it, I mean? like, it, was, it was a decent fee. Like, and I think, obviously, I don't think we didn't, we let go of Jens early because Andrew obviously didn't see him in the plans. Or Ange didn't rate him. So maybe that's a missed opportunity for those at the hierarchy of the club who are like, oh, we can actually buy this guy for like one or two million. Why not just buy him for that? And we know there's going to be clubs interested in him, so just sell him immediately. Then it doesn't matter for Ange. It's absolutely fine. So a good chance to make money there, potentially missed. But like you say, going back to the David Tumble situation, just completely changing topic there, I think okay. the one year left in his deal... Um, I think if, the, if he's going to contribute under Brendan Rodgers, I think the club need to tie him down to a new deal if he's going to because you don't want him to do well this season and start to do well under Rodgers. Then when January the 1st comes, there's a whole host of clubs who could be interested in taking him and a Bosman. So I think if Brendan Rodgers will need to make his decision before um, December and see are we going to give him a new deal, are we going to do what with him because you could potentially end up with another Ryan Christie situation where he just goes for a million quid or something like that. So... You definitely want to get that situation sorted, in my opinion. Whether you're going to keep him, get him, get him a new contract, and he's going to be a member of the squad, or whether you're going to sell in this window. Just when you're touching on contracts, we just need to look at what happened last season at the other side of the city, the total mess that they had left themselves in 
with their key players, not just not just a David Turnbull who wasn't getting a start, but their this was the players that they had built their team around. But besides the point, when we're talk, I know when we're, we're talking about the likes of um, Lewis Ferguson, you can mention Aaron Hickey, all of these sorts of players. It used to be the case that Celtic or Rangers would retain the talent within Scottish football. They would cherry pick the best players from Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, whatever. But Scottish football wasn't even doing that anymore like we're seeing these players move to italy and move elsewhere even youth players from celtic going over to germany and trying their, their luck there so that there's a lot of i feel like there's a lot of holes in scottish football but that's a completely different subject that's not necessarily for here and for now <laughs> but yeah um and touching on the, the turnbull situation absolutely need to tie him down if he's going to get any opportunities this season yeah, so we've been in this situation one too many times, eh? Um It does feel like the you know, you know, guys in the last year of the contract, you know, I call it uh, Chris Common syndrome, you know, but um, <laughs> you've got six months to go on your contract, you'll score from anywhere on the pitch and you'll do it all, and then as soon as that deal's signed, <laughs> beat up big man, you know. Yeah. Um, and Chris Commons, by the way, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> when I was talking about the transfers just being top-heavy, like, uh, like, I do feel like there's... I would even be looking at another goalkeeper as well, potentially. You know, like, because I, I feel like uh, Joe Hart gives me the absolute fear when he's got the ball at his feet. <laughs> the absolute yeah. fear. Like, I, I rate him as a short stopper still, but in terms of trying to pass it out, like, I just worry. Every time he gets it, I'm like, what is he going to do? How much is he going to delay the kick? Because he holds on to it for far too long. Um, so yeah, potentially another goalkeeper and defender for me. Yeah, I think you know it's it's kind of unknown still a little bit for me in defence. Like, what would be, what is on the, what, what do we need? What does he want? You know, still because I think we're quite clear on the right back stuff. You know, like I, I, I think uh, Ralston's maybe just lost the ghost of it a little bit. You know, because it felt like when Juranovic was here, there was an argument. Who's the best right back? You know, there was a discussion to be had, you know, for some people. But now it's not even at all. And it feels like maybe Ralston's a wee bit like, what the fuck do I need to do, man? Like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's maybe, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for him towards the end of the season. And uh, maybe under Rogers we'll get a kind of new lease of life. But yeah, so it's kind of hard to gauge. Is Ralston all the way in? Is he maybe on the way out? You know, is he maybe just going to grin and bear it and stay and be a reluctant backup? It's a hard, mm-hmm. hard one to work out. So for Backup right back for left back. I've got really no idea where we stand. Goalkeeper, as you say, if we've got mad money, we need to go and get a proper goalkeeper yeah. where we can. Yeah, not a barkas. Don't be spending that kind of <laughs> mad money. Well, he's just moved to Turkey and uh, it wasn't one of the big teams. But uh, one other thing I was going to say as well, like Welsh's future obviously is a wee bit up in the air. And there, you know, there is just a few weeks. Like the defence is quite shallow. We still need to see. See, another thing I was going to say as well. Obviously, we don't really, we don't, we don't suspect at this stage that Kobayashi done enough last year for us to really think about him making an impression under Rogers, but stranger things have happened. But speaking of stranger things have happened, I don't know who he's training with in pre-season, but technically Liam Scales is back as being a Celtic player. Like the loan that Aberdeen has expired. (laughs) And it was just, we're talking about Dublin and Ireland there. You kind of peeped into the back of my mind. Um, Wouldn't it be funny to see Liam Scales uh, at left back or something? (laughs) Jesus, man. I know. But even the likes of the, the, the centre-back situation, when you've not got Carter Vickers or Starfield, who, who do you rely on? Is it Kobayashi, who didn't really put himself in good light, I don't think, 
particularly from Hearts at Tynecastle, where he just he looked so uncomfortable, so unsure of himself or what he was actually meant to be doing. So yeah, I 100% feel that we need to to get another centre back in there as well. It does feel as like the, just to come back on to a, a guy that probably is coming in. We mentioned him already, Hyung Jun. He came out with some mad comments this week as well, saying he would forfeit his salary. He would do anything to make this deal happen. I caught some reports that um, Guangzhou have made a move to sign some sort of Brazilian striker from like a crap team in Brazil. Yeah. So that feels like um, the replacement is lined up and he could become an imminent. Now, we kind of spoke on the wide forward positions earlier. I don't think this guy comes into... We've got Marco Tellio, obviously, now in the squad as well. We've already referenced Forrest and we know this, the squad as it stands besides. But does this... Does Hyung Jun... Does that maybe lean us towards a bad leaves or... Is Hyung Jun just coming in to kind of pardon the expression in this case, but make up the numbers, you know, fill in the squad that Jot has left? I think it potentially does indicate a departure because if obviously you're bringing in Yang Hyun Jun, you look at the options you've got in the right, you've got James Forrest, you've got Abada, then you'll have Yang Hyun Jun. Then in the left, you've got like Sadaizen Maeda and Sead Taksabanovich. So I think potentially it does mean we're going to lose one. And a lot of people are saying potentially he's Jot a 2.0. I would disagree with that. I don't think he's the Jota replacement. Maybe that comments will come back to bite me and people will be screen recording this and showing it to me in a couple of months' time. But I don't think he'll be the Jota replacement. I think if we're trying to replace Jota, we should be signing a, a marquee player. Um, that's just my opinion. But yeah, I think he'll be an, a decent addition, though. You don't win South Korean K-League Player of the Year for 2022 if you're rotten. So I've the couple of highlight shoes of him. Looks all right. I feel like anyone can look good in the highlight shoes. So... I think, yeah, he's certainly a good talent um, and I think he could be a decent addition for us, obviously. Similar, I think he's in the similar bracket to Tilio where he's a kind of a good talent in his country and he's coming here to see if he can develop. I don't know if he's a Rodgers signing. He's more one of the ones probably likes a Mark Wall have identified, but um, we'll see what happens. Decent addition, it should be. I agree in the sense that I don't think it's a Rodgers signing either. And I do worry that there you when you're touching of maybe a player leaving I hope that isn't the case because I don't and again could very well be proven wrong here I don't think it's uh, going to be into for starting a living as such you know but we can only wait and see I, I know if that was one of our players that was kicking up the fuss that he absolutely is I wouldn't be taking to it too well um, yeah. I mean it shows that, we're, that we are highly thought of and can obviously offer something to him that he sees, but if it was if the shoe was in the other foot, I, I, I wouldn't be feeling good about it, you know. No, agreed. And I think uh, see, see the kind of sentiment I get out of that um, in terms of his his desire, his desperation to come. It's part of the thing that made me think the initial Hitati Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia rumors wouldn't happen. Wouldn't um, maybe they still will, but like. For these guys, getting to Europe is the big thing. It's not really about, you know, money's important, you know, money's a part of it, of course it is, but it's more the get, let's get to Europe. Not many of them make it to Europe, you know, from these far flung reaches of the world, you know, North America, East, uh, you know, East Asia, and even South America. It feels like there's a lot of South Americans in football, right? But there's a lot more of them in South America than outside, you know. So um, it's one of those ones where I think it's just the ultimate desire to get here. And on, if he does show that desire to get here, we probably do hope he becomes a bit more of a Kyogo who's signed on now 
until 2027. Long reign the king, or long live the king, is, is, is a, I can see the wee man. Now, we had the Larson comparisons come out at the back end of last season, and it was perfectly timed, very well executed. Lovely to see. He's come on a day or two after Jota signs. He's signed on, and he's talking about how he wants to enjoy being a Celtic player for as long as possible, and he's really happy to be here. And him cementing himself in as that pillar, as a centre-forward, as the main focal point of attack, is brilliant for bringing other players into because they know, oh, I'm playing with, I'll be playing with him. He's the main guy up front. Whereas last season, that was maybe for a couple of seasons, that's not been the case. You know, is Dembele leaving? Is he staying? Is it? Are we going to? Are we going to sign Edward? We're going to keep him, or are we, we're going to sell him now? You know, there's always been these moving parts. But having somebody like Diogo now in four-year contract, you've got to think two or three of them are safe as houses about speculation of leaving. Um, but that's a fantastic because that's probably the best bit of business you can do in the summer, isn't it? I think that's um, tremendous business from the club um, to get. I think he's been our key player for the past two seasons. He rattles in goals week in, week out. And that's one thing you're going to be guaranteed now for the next four years if he even stays on further than that is goals. Five goals in three cup finals. You can't argue with the contribution he brings to the team. He's been absolutely immense. We never thought he would be this good when he actually joined the club, but we've seen what he can do. And obviously the timing of it, like you said, Quinny was absolutely perfect. Jota was announced at half nine in the Monday night. This news comes out at 10 in the morning on the Tuesday. So very well executed from the club, like you say. And obviously to have him, he's going to be our main man for the next year, next coming years. He's obviously 28 now. He's potentially getting on a bit in a couple of years. But to have him guaranteed as your starting striker is absolutely tremendous business from the club. Obviously, Rogers admires him. I wouldn't know a manager who wouldn't admire him. So, yeah, Rogers will be delighted with that as well. Obviously, coming into the club, there's no uncertainties up front now. He knows where a lot of his goals are going to come from. He can work that around his play style that he's going to have a top-tier striker in Kyogo. And like you said, Quinny, obviously, you're going to have players who are coming to this club and you see him. Kyogo's a, he's getting well-known now. He's starting to play for Japan as well, scored for Japan. So, players looking at him, I'm going to be crossing balls into him. That's brilliant. I'll get a lot of assists from that type of thing. So, it's a, it's tremendous. Like I've said, I'm very, very pleased. That it was unexpected. Um, there was no reports of it or anything. It was kept under wraps, but the club done really well in announcing it. And obviously, brilliant business. And like you said, Quinny, uh, long live the king. But only Kyogo, that's the only king I'm saying is Kyogo. So. And just when you had mentioned earlier, Josh, about just leaving school. So I'm assuming that there's a substantial age gap here. But I remember when it was like said, when Henrik Larson and Quinny made the comparison to Henrik, we got Henrik Larson in his prime, and we are now getting Kyogo in his prime. You know, like Henrik did leave on a free, he served out his contract with complete honour and grace. And I feel like that's very much the case. There's a lot of parallels here, not just the goals and contributions and all that, but there's we we are we have managed to get a player who is absolutely in his prime. Henrik Larson came from Feyenoord, wasn't really shooting in all cylinders, had a bit of trouble. We didn't really know Henrik Larson. Maybe we recognised the dreadlocks for USA 94, but that was probably as far as I had went anyway. But Kyogo, not many players, not many people knew who he was coming in. He certainly changed the opinions. And I think when Ange had left for Spurs, I think everybody went into autopilot thinking the Japanese key players are going with him because they were certainly his signings, you know. So I think it's very much a, a statement of intent to be able to tie him down for his prime years. 
Yeah, it's massive. Especially strikers, because striker, like scoring goals is the name of football. It's the hardest thing to do in football. And a lot of these guys, we know they get their best form when they've had, like, it's not quite the whole 10,000 hour rule, but it's probably not too far away from it. You know, once they've had seasons of experience, they've been churning out, in Kyogo's case, double digit goals, season after season after season, improving, 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 going up levels, going up stages, becoming a national player, becoming, coming at Celtic, playing Champions League. Etc. So yeah, very exciting. And like you just kind of mentioned, that's why it came into my mind. But we do need another marquee player in the yeah. team. That's a bit like Kyogo is fantastic, but he's not. Um, he's not a magic man. You know, he's not like Jota who can twist and turn and make something out of nothing. If that makes sense, he's much more the the the, the finishing component of the machine. You know, of the team yeah. uh, almost. So it does need to be a high caliber guy that comes in for Jota. But that Kyogo like lockdown for me. If you like, or you know, lock in. You know, we've got him signed on for ages now. I think guys like Dyson Maeda, guys like Abada, especially now that Jot is gone, they'll probably be rubbing their hands together. Like you were kind of saying, Sean uh, and, and Josh, in terms of how they can like contribute and feed. But with Jota out the picture, you know, like the, the first name on the team sheet was Jota Kyogo, which was two names, but it was almost one because you knew if they were both fit, they're both playing. And then it's who is Jota going to play left or right? And then who's going to play in the three? That was always the question. But now that Jot is gone, the first name on the team sheet is now Kyogo. Yeah. So there's two spots up for grabs. So Abada will probably be mad buzzing to come in. We might get new levels out of him. And Dyson Maeda, I think, said a wee bit of a rough time over the course. But equally, I think if he's got a bit more of I'll be playing every week and I'm locked in, we could get new levels out of them. So, yeah, maybe um, some quality enforcements may be done elsewhere. But I think the Kyogo one, like, uh, yeah, I I'm absolutely made up about it. And I think it's going to be a huge season for him personally because he loves taking the club on his back in that sense. He loves putting the, the badge on his heart. And, like, you know, when it is big games, finals, like you were talking about, Josh, you know, derbies and Champions League, like, that's when, you know, it's, don't, you know, you guys are smiling because you feel what I'm feeling right now when I'm thinking about this. But he feels it on the pitch and, and those big moments and those big games, he's the guy that does turn up and you can't buy a guy like that in form. You know, really, they're so hard to get, so expensive. But to have a guy that was brought into Prime and then keeping him here for it is a buster of a move. I love it. I think yeah, it just I'll... tells you where, where the club is at as well. If if he, obviously, we can see what he can do, but there's something that he, that's mirroring. He can see what we are looking at and what we're wanting to achieve. So there's obviously a, a match there. For both sides, it's not just we've tied down our key striker. There's certainly a lot more to it than that. Yeah, I think as well, uh, touching on the Champions League, he's yet to score in the Champions League, I think. So that'll be a big ambition for him next season. Um, hopefully he can do that and give us a couple of goals to celebrate in Europe as well. <clears throat> big time. Uh, one thing we won't be celebrating is goals in South Korea. Um, I, I, heard, uh, I heard a report this morning that we might be getting the Wolves game on in Ireland or something like that, uh, Dublin or Belfast, I'm not too sure. Um, but the South Korea tour is completely cancelled. It feels like all parties have pulled out from it. And I've seen, obviously I follow some South Korean stuff for uh, fantasy football and whatever. But the Koreans over there, they're pretty raging about it. Like uh, the community over there, they think they've been hard done to by the, the Europeans, as it were. So... No career tour. It's off. Yeah, because it's, it's disappointing uh, for the Celtic fans over there, obviously not getting to see their heroes um, in the flesh. Obviously, I think Roma and uh, Wolves pulled out, so it's a bit of uncertainty about who Celtic's opponents were going to be. Um, obviously, we've heard the reports of um, the potentially the Wolves game getting held in Dublin. I think that could be a, a good idea. Obviously, we've got a big fan base over in Ireland, so that could potentially be something the club look at and 
good good opportunity for the Irish fans to get to see their uh, team. But yes, yeah, it's, it's thrown a bit of a spanner in the works in pre-season. I think a lot of the the mainstream media coming out and saying Celtic's pre-season thrown into chaos, etc. I think that's just a bit dramatic. It's it's typical Scottish mainstream media, but no, nah, it's it's a it's a wee shame for those in South Korea. And, but at the end of the day, we're still heading out to the Far East. We've got our Japan two two games there. Then we'll come back. Hopefully, get the Wolves game while in Dublin, then Athletic Club, then we're back in league action. So yeah, it's it's all full steam ahead. It's just a wee it's just a wee bump in the road. Yeah, pretty much can't can't argue any of that and just pretty much echo it. There's there's not really much to be added to it. Like I'm sure we'll be able to fill the the fixture spots that were there uh, without any problems. And if it is a case of going to Dublin, then you know there's going to be a good turnout in that side as well. Yeah, uh, so yeah, there's not really much to be added on that case. Yeah. That'd be a good, um, it'd be almost like a good, because the, the Japan tour was, you know, felt kind of angified a little bit as well, like we had the Australia tour. So if we go to Ireland, obviously with Rogers, you know, there'll be a wee bit of, you know, we're yeah. kind of keeping that sentiment, that kind of party atmosphere on the go for pre-season, which could be good fun as well. So yeah, I would say let's hope we get, you know, we're, we're always at a decent club, you know, we're a good fun uh, friendly game for sure. The, the, the thing I hate about going to friendly games, the, the odd couple of times I've done it is when they're naff, you know, when it's against yeah. a pure rubbish team, but... I remember going, I do remember if it was a good game or a good score or anything, but I remember one year I went to Celtic Park to watch us play Parma. Uh, this was like donkeys ago. Like, I think they had... Uh, and then, like, was it 97? Yeah, I don't think we've played them more than once, so if it was 97, yeah, then that's where it would have been. Because we played Roma as well. Oh, did we? we um, but I remember going to a Parma friendly game and thinking, oh, that was bra. Like, that wasn't bad for a friendly, you know. Um, and I've been to some other ones and they've been stinking, obviously. But I think Wolves in Dublin sounds like a party, uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> so yeah. if you're able to go to that, if it happens, yeah. uh, I would say have a good time and heal, heal. Well, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure this week. I think we've had a lot to chew over with it mainly being things like comments. You know, what Rio said, what O'Reilly said, what Kyogo said, they're all signing on. And obviously Jot has left, but... I, you know, as we've seen with the Jota move, I think things are going to move really, really fast. And by the time we get back here next week for the flagship podcast, I think there'll maybe be a new signing or two, maybe a departure, who knows. But um, Josh, absolute pleasure seeing you again as ever, mate. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, great to be back on. Cheers, guys. And uh, Sean, fantastic debut, mate. Thanks a lot for coming on. Great to have you. Well, thanks very much for having me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Any time I get to talk about the hoops, I'm more than happy. So thank you very much for the opportunity. No, absolute pleasure, mate. And uh, to anyone watching or listening, uh, have a great weekend and hail, hail.